everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Ruby Rogues podcast. I'm your host today, Valentino Stoll. I'm joined today by Pavel Dabrowski. Did I say that right? Yes, exactly. Hello, everyone. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me today. So, Pavel, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what brought you on to the show today? Yeah, sure. So, uh, as you said, my name is Pavel. I'm the Ruby developer. I'm currently working as a CTO at Ironin Company. We create their a lot of software. Ruby is in our DNA, but we also create code in other technologies like Python, Golang, JavaScript, and things like that. And I'm here today because I wrote an article about the import maps feature in the Rails 7. I also created uh, the tool called Rails Formation, and I often you know, write articles about Ruby and related stuff, so you can find me uh, somewhere in the internet explaining uh, things about Ruby. So that's the main reason why I'm here today. Hey folks, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs, and lately I've been working on actually building out Top End Devs. If you're interested, you can go to topendevs.com slash podcast, and you can actually hear a little bit more about my story, about why I'm doing what I'm doing with Top End Devs, why I changed it from uh, devchat.tv to Top End Devs. But what I really want to get into is that I have decided that I'm going to build the platform that I always wished I had with devchat.tv and I renamed it to Top End Devs because I want to give you the resources that are going to help you to build the career that you want, right? So whether you want to be an influencer in tech, whether you want to go and just max out your salary and then go live a lifestyle with your family, your friends, or just traveling the world or whatever, I, I want to give you the resources that are going to help you do that. We're going to have career and leadership resources in there, and we're going to be giving you content on a regular basis to help you level up and max out your career. So go check it out at topendevs.com. If you sign up before my birthday, that's December 14th. If you sign up before my birthday, you can get 50% off the lifetime of your subscription. Once again, that's topendevs.com. Awesome. I kind of do want to touch on import maps. I know before the show, we had <laughs> we had talked about a few other things, but that does sound like a lot of fun. So before we do, though, I want to talk about this competition of yours. But what is, what is the name of it? Well, the name is Mortal Coding. It's related with Mortal Kombat because, you know, it was uh, created around the retro games. That was the, the main theme. And the main prize was the Nintendo Switch. So it was nice. for the game lovers and for the Ruby lovers. So basically, it was a contest for Ruby developers. The qualification phase was about the answering questions and the best uh, players were qualified for the quarterfinal and in quarterfinal semifinal we have uh, practical challenges where uh, two developers fight each other with the code they they write the code to solve the the challenges and the code was tested against the rspec tests so it was like a ci thing and the final was streamed live on the facebook and we have uh, even a dashboard where we so the code in a live mode, and it was you know really fun seeing uh, two developers challenging themselves, you know, writing the code live to just you know to win. And yeah, uh, it, it was also fun to, to build this platform because we started it with Race Seven and we built it with the Race Turbo. So yeah, it was really fun to create that's, something like that. That's really interesting. The live portion of that. Especially, how does that work? Do, do you get to see what they're typing and working on yes. and, and a video of them? Or is it just kind of no, like no, what, what they're working the video, on? We, we didn't want to stress them sure. totally, right? <laughs> so, so we saw the, the input in the real time, what they are typing into you know, code editor. 
and oh, each so time cool. they press submit, we saw that you know the feedback from the system how many test scenarios they could pass, and if someone submit the solution that passed every tests, then we were moving automatically to next uh, you know task. That's really cool. So there are a lot of like code challenge you know sites out there. Not necessarily with the live feature. Uh, that is really cool. Uh, what what kind of got you into creating this competition? I started with a course platform where the you know developers were learning things by writing the code. So I had to build something like you know this kind of CI stuff that validates the code against the test. And then my company came with the idea of mortal coding, and I was like you know. I had the code to handle this. Let's do this, you know. And the final was really stressing because everything was streamed in a live. But uh, Rails did a great job doing all the streaming of, you know, data. So it, it's now battle tested. We can do a big things with that. So definitely Rails 7 is, is a great tool. <laughs> That's really cool. So how does, I guess, how does it all work? How does the editor work? Like what what is hooked into it in order to get that kind of, feedback for the during the competition you know it, i think it's it's quite simple because you have this text input and as you type we handle the event of typing you know and we stream this output on the dashboard and the dashboard is the source of streaming so everyone is seeing what am i seeing on the you know on the screen and yeah it, it's working like that uh, it's it's pretty simple, but there was a, a lot of tests, you know, to ensure that it's working correctly in every browser. We wanted to avoid the case where there is nothing on the screen and suddenly, you know, the whole solution appear and, you know, the challenge is over because someone submitted the right code. Right. We wanted to see in the real time how, how they are thinking about the code, what kind of, you know, approach they are trying to, to apply. It was really interesting. That's cool. And how many people uh, were competing? I think over 100 for sure. I think close to 200 people. Wow, and it that's was awesome. only about the Poland. So, you know, Ruby is not that popular in Poland. So it's, it was a great result. I mean, a few hundred people is a competition for sure. And yeah, we were talking about this before the show. It, just, it reminds me a lot of the old uh, Rails Rumble, which for those that aren't familiar, since apparently it hasn't operated in over seven years, but it used to be a competition where you get 24 to 48 hours, I forget which, to build a Rails app, and you can't have anything started beforehand. And it's kind of just to see, you know, what you can make with Rails in a short amount of time. Uh, It was always really cool. They had like a panel and social aspect where you can go in and vote for your favorites at the end of it. You know, it had to be runnable at the end. So uh, obviously there wasn't much testing going on, right? Since (laughs) you want to just see your... See more results than anything. There were some really cool projects that came out of it. That you know, that now that it's been fizzled out for so long, uh, I kind of missed. You know, it'll be fun to to see. I saw Chris Oliver from uh, Jumpstart Rails trying to revamp yeah. that. So it'll be interesting to see how that comes about. But I would love to see like some live functionality like you have, where it gives that more like competitive advantage. That's really cool. Yeah, but I think it's 24 hours is not enough for me to build something like that. But, <laughs> it, you know, it's all about fast prototyping. So <laughs> it will be a great challenge for sure. So what are your next steps with it? Like out, outside of taking it outside of Poland, are you looking to expand feature-wise more on it or more uh, just like coverage? We plan to do the English version so everyone can 
participate in the the contest. And of course, I need to you know find out the new uh, challenges. I cannot use the same challenges, so that's also something we need to think about. But for sure, we want to go with a broader audience because we we received very good feedback about that. It was really fun to do this, and it was also you know great experience for me. I learned a lot of things. I had to you know build the whole qualification phase with the around 30 questions starting from junior level to the expert level so yeah it was fun uh, and the most difficult question was about the uh, garbage collector it was the question regarding the color that the garbage collector uses to to mark some you know cells in the memory it was a silly question but you you can google it so it was not impossible to answer correctly <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna have to check that out after this <laughs> <laughs> So you you are quite busy in the Ruby community. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, you have you have quite a lot of publications out there now, which I love. I'm I'm actually a, an avid reader of yours, so thank you for the continuous posts. I love to see the content. For for those that don't know, Pavel writes quite a lot. It used to be long live Ruby, right? Yes, now it's more personal thing. Uh, now it's more no. personal. So what what was the transition away from that? I'm I'm just curious why why move away from long live Ruby and in, into the more personal space. Yeah, well, to be honest, I started with the personal blog, and then I came with the idea to create long live Ruby because I wanted to involve more authors on the blog. But I uh, eventually end up with only one guest author with a great article. But uh, I decided to to move back to the personal blog because I wanted to touch more topics around programming. But with the name Long Life Ruby, you know, my readers expect things about Ruby only. So I was kind of limited. But, you know, with this transition, I think uh, nothing changed yet. I'm still writing about Ruby. And I think I will be doing this for like a few next years because I still have fun doing it. I had some little break from writing, but uh, now I'm back. I did some guest articles and, and I think I missed that much. So so I just you know, came back to the awesome. process. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, among many of it are kind of your CSV related things. And you do have your ebook, right, that you just opened up. It used to be paid, right? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. What was the name of it again? The CSV? Um, uh, it was named Mastering CSV in Ruby. So it's just uh, you know introduction to parsing CSV uh, with the Ruby because, you know, behind every CSV file, there is a long story. Uh, with uh, with ad coding and all that stuff, and I started with the paid version. It was a year ago, and now I decided to re- release it for free because I'm you know preparing another book. So I thought it would be great idea to do this. And it, it, it's funny because it came out that I can earn more by having it for free than I was selling it for a money. So. Uh, it, yeah, it's very interesting for me. That's really I'm, funny. I'm not a marketing guy, so maybe I did something wrong in the past. <laughs> so you heard that out there, folks. Uh, freemium does work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard it many times, but I didn't mean it <laughs> until now. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it doesn't always work, but in this case, uh, it's very interesting that it did for you. That's awesome, yeah. though. Um, it's on my to-do list here to read that uh, go through. I've used CSV so much in the past, you know, decade or so that I've been in Ruby and, you know, I learn something new every time I do CSV. Yeah, (laughs) there's just there's there's just so much. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And I thought I put everything I know into this book and I received emails with the new 
topics about the CSV that I didn't cover yet. <laughs> it's crazy, you know. That's it's so funny. Format, but it, it's a long story about it every time. <laughs> That's awesome. So, are there more books in your horizon? Is there something that you're planning to write next? Uh, yeah, I have plenty. You know, topics. I have that kind of doc uh, in the Google Drive where I have like. 200 ideas for articles but i never have time to to write those so uh, i just need to focus on one and then you know go for it marketing is also important so i try to to write more on my newsletter so So i'm curious what your process is like for writing you have a so you have a google drive that just has a ton of ideas in it and you just scroll through it and you say okay i'm gonna pick this one and start working on it what's your process like usually i just collect all the ideas uh, on the doc I'm not judging them, you know, I can have better and worse ideas. But when it uh, came with me for a long time, like a few weeks, then I feel that this is the right topic to write about. Then I usually start with the research, you know, I collect around 10 or 20 articles about the topic that I would like to write about. I learn new things that I don't know. Then I start with the kind of outline about what I want to write. And then I just, you know, uh, go point by point and, and write the article. So this is my writing routine, I can say. With the book, is is similar, right? We have chapters we can name articles, for example. So so that's 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 the process. The interesting part is that I hate doing ebooks from the technical side. <laughs> I mean, you know, forming those PDF files and still things like that. Getting the examples so, ready. <laughs> yeah. So I created a library that transfer markdown into you know pdf uh, book with you know all the table of contents of the formatting of code snippets and and things like that so it's finally become a pleasure not a you know things i hate so it's great i got you so of all of the features of csv uh, which is your least favorite i think encoding is is something that i not fully understand even after, you know, 12 years of doing it. <laughs> so there is always something pop up when I parse the file, especially when it comes in a different language. Yeah, so this is the thing uh, I had the most. The size <laughs> is not a problem right now. You can, you know, handle it gently, but with the encoding, you are never fully prepared for that. Encoding always bites you. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. <laughs> All right, so I want to get into your import maps article because import maps are the latest craze. Rail seven is the latest craze. You know, I don't know how they work necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> you know, fully. <laughs> you know, thankfully we have your article now to reference. But I would love to dive in and kind of get your first take on it on import maps in Rail seven. What you like most about it, what you despise about it, and then we can get into kind of how it works. Okay, so I think I like it because it reminds me the old days where you can start a race application and add the, you know, JavaScript easily. You don't have used any Webpacker and things like that. You know, you just attach the code, you can use it uh, on your website. The things that I hate the most about import maps, well, I don't think I have something like that, but I don't like the feature that the JavaScript code is pulled from CDN. It's fine when you are, you know, fast prototyping, but what if this CDN is down? Your application won't work. So I always advise to download the assets, you know, locally and do not use this feature of pulling JavaScript directly from the... From I the see. I, 
I had seen that reference, right, from the, what is it, DHH's uh, latest video of, oh, hey, you, you don't even need uh, to download it. You could just yeah. CDN it. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun in a local environment, <laughs> but it can get tricky, you know, in the production because right now it's uh, based on the JavaScript package management tool and the owner of this makes it free, right? He I has see. some sponsors, right? But he can decide that he wants to shut down this, and then we have a problem. <laughs> Hi, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs, and lately I've been coaching some people on starting some podcasts and, in some cases, just taking their career to the next level. You know, whether you're beginner going to intermediate, intermediate going to advanced, whether you're trying to get noticed in the community or go freelance, I've been helping these folks figure out how to get in front of people, how to build relationships and how to build their careers and max out and and just go to the next level. So if you're interested in talking to me and having me help you go to the next level, go to topendevs.com slash coaching. I will give you a one hour free session where we can figure out what you're trying to do, where you're trying to go and figure out what the next steps are. And then from there, we can figure out how to get you to the place you want to go. So once again, that's topendevs.com slash coaching. What do you use for, or let's, let's backtrack. Is a, is a CDN easy to get set up with import maps? And what do you prefer to use in that case? Well, with the import maps, you can pin the, you know, the library. So it means that you can pull it from the, to, to the race application. So I always prefer to use the download flag. It, it works the same as the standard version, but it, you know, downloads the, the files to the directory inside the rails instead of pulling it from the URL. I think it's even, you know, faster in terms of loading the page. So maybe this, you know, this option with CDN is great if you build MVP or something like that, or if you participate in race rumble and you really don't care if the app is, you know, up after a few weeks <laughs> after the contest. So I think that's the option for this. Well, what about what about hosting them on Cloudflare or something like that? Have you done anything like that with import maps? Mm, no, not yet. To be honest, uh, I did a you know a dive jump into the source of the import maps, but I was using you know the ordinary way, so just pulling the assets into the vendor directory and host it uh, on my server. But you know that's the interest interesting aspect of this. And I saw some pull requests on the repository recently that uh, modifies this behavior a little bit. So before we dig in too much, <laughs> let's can you clarify just like what import maps is and kind of how how you get started using it? Uh, yeah, sure. So uh, I think it came uh, by the default in the Rails Seven as a external gem called. In- import maps and basically is a replacement for a webpacker. So if you want to pull jQuery into your project, all you need to do is to type the command import maps pin jQuery and it will automatically attach the jQuery in your application. So you can start writing the jQuery code inside your JavaScript files. You don't care about any bundling on something like that. You just, you know, pin the specific version and you use it. So I would say that import maps is a great tool for uh, anyone that hates Webpacker and stuff like that. Yeah, you can use the CDN. Uh, the default CDN is the JavaScript package management, but you can also use something like, you know, Unpackage or JS Deliver or anything like that. I think you can even hook up something on your own. Gotcha. So this is kind of like the replacement for Sprockets in a way? Yes, 
And when you create new Rails 7 application, I don't think you, you, you need Node. It just, you know, bootstrap immediately. And in Rails 6, we have that step with the Webpacker and Node, which took uh, some time to, to start. And if you had too old Node version, it will crash. So uh, this is definitely <laughs> improvement and helps you to, to start you know, faster. So I did notice one thing that kind of I'm not sure about with import maps is it kind of it it doesn't bundle any of the assets, right? It, it uses them individually yeah, in the map. Yes, there is no bundling or extra tooling. You just receive the source, which is minified, and you can use it straight away. You can even create a import map per page because you you may want to load some you know libraries on this page, but the other page you don't want them. So uh, you have a full flexibility. Oh, that's pretty cool. So how does that work? You kind of just reference it ahead of time in the map, or is that something that's done at the controller level? Uh, well, it's it simply works like a you know helper in the layout. So it requests, you know, the source. And if the library will detect that you are using it in the source code, it will load it. So even if you will define the, the import map for the library, but don't use it, it won't be loaded. So it won't slow down your application. And as we know, with the Webpacker, we can load a bunch of, you know, node modules, don't use it, and still, you know, have a lot of space taken about those libraries. Right. This is another cool thing. Yeah, I mean, Webpacker has its nice advanced features. <laughs> and yeah. I, under- I understand why uh, it was a good initial thing to make it easier to build like front end first applications, as I call them. <laughs> yeah, uh, and to, to be honest, import maps is just a wrapper for the import maps feature, just like Webpacker was just a wrapper for the Webpack. It's just, you know, race wrapper to provide you with some commands and race way of configuring things. So it's, I would say it's quite simple under the hood, but it's still interesting to, to see the source code. Is there anything that stood out to you from the source code that you were like, oh, that's kind of neat? Uh, to be honest, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> In a way that, that makes me feel better. <laughs> <laughs> right, like, uh, you know, Boring code is, is often the simplest code, right? <laughs> yeah, I saw there uh, a nice way of handling errors. So when you don't need to alter the standard error class, you can just define it differently without inheritance. So it was something I learned there. And then I saw with the Rails source that is a de- you know, default way of handling errors in the Rails source. So I do the same now in every app that I create. So this is something I learn from the source code of InfoMaps. That's really cool. So, I mean, this kind of segues into what I'm really excited to talk about, which is your new kind of Rails app generator. <laughs> yeah, we can say that. Because you kind of like, what I, I, import maps is one of features kind of built, baked into the generator, right? Where it just comes, I know Rails comes with it automatically, but, you know, your, was it formation, right? Rails formation? Yes, that's right. So this is so like cool. A, it's more like a tool for bootstrapping. Okay. I, I didn't want to create no code tool where you, you know, fill the form and create the race application because <laughs> I, I don't think it makes sense. People enjoy creating race application and write Ruby code, but I found it really frustrating and boring to bootstrap a race application. I usually start with the estimation or a plan for application. And the boring part begins when you have to generate all those models, you know, uh, define uh, factories, create test data, 
So it was, you know, really boring. And I came with idea of automating this. So I created transformation where you can basically uh, get your schema for, for, let's say, resources. You can type everything, select what validation you would like to have, and it will generate all that stuff, including uh, factories, the test data with the factor them. So you basically start with the application that it's shipped with the test data that you can use to write more fancy features. There is also mode for the API architecture where you can define that the authentication is handled with the API key. So you don't have to think about the this part. It's generated from the beginning so you can use it. And I wanted you know, to create something that will give you the sense of having the code created as it should be. So I spent a lot of time digging into documentation to find the right way of writing things, you know, so so people don't have to think about it. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, this is a this is a topic that I'm really interested in because it seems it's so funny. Like there is a way to make a Rails template, right, and reuse it with the generators, yeah. right, and that's very well built. There's a lot of infrastructure there and available, but every time people end up with some kind of solution like this. They end up building something like you have with Rails Formation, right? Where, like, really they want an interface to d- define everything up front and configure it how they want in a visual format and then have the application get generated kind of as a byproduct of that, right? Yeah, you know, I think when, when you build, for example, a race application with GraphQL, even if you do this 100 times, I think you will look up, you know, in the internet how to configure GraphQL with Rails. <laughs> So, you know, my goal was to automate this. So you can just tick a checkbox. I want to include GraphQL and it will happen automatically. Oh, so that's awesome. To waste time, yeah. And I think you can even use it with your client. You can, you know, ask him, so what do you want to have in your race application? And he will tell you, I want to have articles. Okay, so what kind of, you know, fields do you want there? What kind of validation? And you just configure as, it, as he is telling you. And then you just click bootstrap. You use the gem and it will create the skeleton for a race application ready for the development. That's awesome. So the, the biggest question here is how do you handle upgrades? Or is that <laughs> just, or is that kind of just a, oh, if you use the tool, it gets upgraded as you use it? <laughs> uh, yeah, this is one of the two deal breakers because uh, the one is the upgrade process. Let's say that the rates 8 kicks in, so I have a lot of stuff to update in the tool. Right. And the second thing is that most of the clients would like to have the standalone version. So then they don't share this data with, with race formation. They have everything locally, like a GitLab instance or something like that. So there are two things that I didn't figure it out yet. I gotcha. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little bit afraid of handling the upgrade process because there's a lot of a lot of things to upgrade, a lot of things to test. You can Add the Ruby gems, so I need to also test those Ruby gems if they are not breaking anything. So... I mean, I'd like to think that as a, a Rails app generator tool, an upgrade is kind of like the last feature <laughs> to introduce, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? Because <laughs> you shouldn't be creating a new app every time, right? <laughs> yeah, right. It's only designed to create new app, not <laughs> updating anything. Once you create it, just leave it. <laughs> <laughs> but it does... It does make me wonder, right, like that this is such a common thing that seems to be missing, right, from Rails Generator, right? Rails Generate New. I know that there are a lot of new features coming. There's an interactive mode maybe planned on the horizon, if, <laughs> right? <laughs> 
know there's a ton of comments in uh, there's a ton of comments in the PR for yeah. one of those, right? But it seems like we keep coming back to this in Rails for like, hey, we want you know a better way to generate Rails apps, and it seems like a tool like Rails Formation would be ideal to like have as part of the Rails feature set, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, hey. I want to configure this Rails app, check a few boxes, and then start that way. I think it makes sense uh, visually as a web application, but imagine having it as a command line where you have like one million options to pass to the command in order to create. <laughs> so I don't think it will work you know, with the race since the beginning. Uh, but That's true. To be honest, I took all this uh, code for generating templates from the race source. I'm using the same approach. It's just a uh, you know, more rich format of doing this. And I really found a lot of ways to generate custom code using Rails comments. You know, it's not a common because there's a lot of options to pass and I won't remember them all. I'm not <laughs> sure if anyone will remember them. So it, it was fun digging into documentation and finding these things after, you know, 12 years of using Rails. It's always the aha moment. Okay, so it's working like that. Yeah, I didn't know about it. I'm I'm very curious about this. So what are what are some of these things that you found in the documentation as you went along? Well, one of those things was the, the API key authentication when you are using, you know, the API version of Rails. So I can, you know, to the conclusion that you have to use uh, like password digest instead of saving the password in the database. So this is one of the things I, I learned during the discovery process. But to be honest, it's, it's like a topic for another article. <laughs> I have somewhere noted all the things. It's so much, uh, you know, happened right now that I uh, wasn't able to remember all the all the stuff I, I go through. So it's hard to... to I will say... Every time I open up those Rails guides, I read something and I'm like, oh, that's in here? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's true, that's true. Right, like even, and I know it's been around a while, right? But like text editing and be able to, like action text, you know, I forget that's there when I haven't used it in a long time, right? Like there, there are these like huge feature sets of Rails even that I'm like, I'll have the Rails guides open and be like, what is this whole thing? I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think part of the articles about Rails is just, you know, the content from the Rails guides is served in a better way or a different way, but it's still there. Right. Most of the information is still in the Rails guides. So <laughs> that's amazing, you know. <laughs> it's so funny. It would, it would almost be great to have, like, that's what I feel like is missing from Rails documentation, at least. It's like, what can you do with Rails, right? Like, because you could do like so much stuff, right? And yeah. you know, I don't even know how you would search for something like that, right? Like, <laughs> if you wanted to see like all the features available to you, so you don't go like rewrite something, right? Like, I don't, I don't even know if there's a good way to do that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it would be nice to to have some you know base of ideas or things you can achieve with Rails, right? Or, or even videos how to create, uh, I don't know. Twitter clone in 10 minutes. So right. Like that would be available within, you know, version 7. Yeah, like almost like a Ruby toolbox, right? But Rails and specifically Rails core, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, but right. all right, I want to, I want to import, you know, CSVs. Like, is, is there anything Rails has that I can do that? Right. Like, <laughs> no, but Ruby has it. I think link out yeah. to the, right. <laughs> There is a lot of things uh, for the CSV, but the standard library is the best one, in my opinion. I love digging in the standard libraries. Yeah, you... it's, a, it's a really source of 
excellent code and excellent solutions, there is a page where the all default Ruby gems are listed. And it's really surprising how many, you know, things from the Starlight library is extracted to the Ruby gem and you can see the source and understand it. Yeah, that, honestly, that's I applaud the Ruby core team because I know that's been a painful process for them to kind of extract out all of those embedded gems uh, into their own source code and link them in, right? But yeah, there are just so many in there that are part of the core gems now. And it seems like they keep adding them, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's correct. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of excited for 3.2 uh, with all the new you know, source code augmentation stuff where you can discover, you know, the dead end gem is now part of it. I saw. Yeah, uh, that's right. That's right. So you can, <laughs> you can find all those missing dues that you were supposed to have in your blocks, right? <laughs> I, I did that today and uh, it, it was painful. I wish I had something that could signal me. <laughs> you know, a lot of happening is right now in the race community and the Ruby community. So it's a great thing that the Ruby is still alive. It's not a dead, it's, it's still alive for sure. So talking to that, what are you most excited for for what's coming out? And let's say Ruby. The thing that I'm most excited about about the Ruby. Well, uh, to be honest, there is a lot of things. I mean, for me, the most excited thing is that we are constantly moving forward. Even there is a you know JavaScript on a hype train. We are still doing our thing, still creating you know new features. Rails is moving forward with you know to compete with the Python and PHP. However, I'm not sure if the PHP is still competitor with the Laravel thing or something like that. But uh, for me, the most amazing thing is how the community is growing. You know, there is a post-pandemic time, so we are back to the conferences and things like that. For me, this is the, the most amazing thing. Without those people, we wouldn't be able to, to move forward. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it has, it has grown so much. You know, the, thanks for all the sponsors out there, right, that have just dumped a ton into investing into Ruby. Yeah, um, Shopify, I think, just pumped up a lot of money to yeah. to the community. So, yeah, I'm really grateful for that. So what about Rails? What What's what's on the horizon for Rails that has you excited to use? I really like this Rails Turbo thing. So I think it will get some upgrades. It, it's For me, it's working great as it is, but I think it will get some updates to improve even more the creation of single-page application. And I think this is the thing i really excited about because... I'm not a fan of the, you know, separated front-end. I really like the the race monolith, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. I mean, there's just so much. It's hard to keep track of all the new features. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I feel right. like I go through and, and read reread the upgrade docs, you know, weekly just to see <laughs> if I've missed anything that's made it in. You know, the, the fun <laughs> begins when there is a release candidate and we can test out the new features. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I, I think everybody looks forward to that. See, just see what breaks. <laughs> early <laughs> you know early upgrades and things like that right. and then github tells you that they are running on the you know, newest version of race and how is that possible without breaking things i you know i keep seeing all these articles on dual booting rails and i keep meaning to try it out <laughs> and yeah <laughs> this is the one of the things that i also want to try right <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm fan of the standard way of, of upgrading, but, you know, it might work as well. <laughs> One of these days, <laughs> I'll figure out how to hook up the CD or CD to use the next rails, right? And <laughs> tell me what's broken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right, well, is there anything else you want to talk about today, Pavel? Oh, I think we cover all the topics. So it was a nice conversation. 
Yeah, we got through a lot. Honestly, I'm looking forward to, to digging through a lot of your uh, latest content. I, I have a list of a feed of Ruby people that I constantly check in on, and uh, I'm behind on a lot of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> same here. Same here. Yeah, <laughs> it is the second list of articles that I should write and the articles that I should read. You know, it's it's growing all the time. <laughs> But for you guys listening out there, check out Pavel's content. He's got a lot of great articles out there on Rails, on Ruby, now just on life, developing. <laughs> you know, I, I'm looking forward to, to more of your content for sure, Pavel. Yeah, I, I definitely will create something in the future. And of course, add more features to Rails formation just to be prepared for Rails 8 when it comes <laughs> finally. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, and I'm excited to, to hear about how, you know, your competition takes hold. I want to check that out for sure. Hey, folks, if you love this podcast and would like to support the show, or if you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production, and you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium. So let's get into picks. At the end of every show, we go through and uh, just pick. It could be anything software, not software, anything that you want to share uh, with the audience. Okay, uh, so I can start? Yeah, go ahead. So, so I think I will uh, definitely share the Heroku announcement that came out today, that the, there will be no free free dinner instances. So I think this is something that we should take into account. I have like... Oh, this is so painful for me. Dinners. Yeah, all the staging applications are, you know, free and uh, I think it's worth sharing this so we can prepare when the time comes. So where where should everybody move to? Well, I would like to say that we sh- should stay on the Heroku. They are doing a great job. So <laughs> let's just prepare for the bigger expense, I would say. <laughs> I will say I, I do have some paid dinos on Heroku. And it is just, you know, there's nothing uh, more satisfying than just get push Heroku master yeah, right or main it's super or simple <laughs> it's so it's just so painless it's what i want <laughs> you know it's at this simple. point in my career if i'm not paying for it you know <laughs> shame on me right <laughs> <laughs> okay so so what's your pick so i saw sidekick is coming out with a a new uh abstraction called capsules uh, which i think is really cool it lets you kind of configure different queues to be processed with different concurrencies and different, you know, environment variables and and things like that. Really cool. It's it's kind of funny. I, I think I saw Mike Perham comment on Twitter that he was concerned of the size of this new introduction <laughs> <laughs> of the quantity of changes, uh, but. It, I, I'm kind of excited. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. there are like you know some internal changes that may not be backwards compatible. Uh, that was you know kind of forced to make this happen. But you know I'm kind of excited for it. Uh, I think it's a long time coming to get Sidekick to be you know concurrent friendly. And uh, with all the async stuff coming out, I'm I'm kind of excited uh, to try this out and get it working with within the Sidekick realm, right? Yeah, Sidekick is definitely great. So Mike did a great job as always. You know, I'm really fan of of this solution. And aside from that, I the only other uh, pick I have is I got my hot tub hooked up recently, and I, I had it at an old residence, and I moved, and it was sitting in my garage for so long. 
uh, and I finally painstakingly got it moved back to where I wanted it. And I had to like augment my electric panel. And I finally, after like a full year, <laughs> got everything resolved. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So my pick is hot tubs. Uh, I highly recommend them if you, if you can, yeah. it's just, it's just so relaxing and, uh, yeah, hot tubs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a great thing <laughs> all right well uh if people want to reach you out on the web or wherever uh how can they get in touch with you well they can reach via my blog this you know is paweldabrowski.com or they can visit reddit and they will probably see my articles there so this is the shortest way of doing this awesome well it was great to talk to you pavel and I hope to see more from you. And until next time, folks, this is Valentino. Peace out. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.